Thank you, Ben, and good morning, church family. Good morning. Okay, let's say you were at a ball game last week, and you fell down and got a really deep cut in your arm. Really deep. I mean, it was gushing blood. Traumatic, right? But the good news is, the physician was there at the ballpark, and he was able to clean it up, stitch it up, patch it up. What's going to happen to that wound? It'll heal. Good. Whoever said that? God made our bodies to heal. I love that. But let's say the physician missed a whole bunch of dirt and grime that was in the wound, and he stitched it up anyway. What, what would happen to the, to the wound then? Yes, it becomes infected, and then, you know, a few days later go by, and it starts to, starts to get tender and starts to hurt. Okay, then a little bit more time goes by, and now... Now it's starting to really get sore and it's spreading. Now I have a little bit of a fever and I, my brain starts to get a little cloudy. Now it's spread all through. I gotta go back to that doctor and get this thing checked out. So I go back to the doctor. He, he opens the, the, the wound again and cleans it all out this time and then patches it back up. Uh, then what happens? It, it gets better, it gradually gets better again. It's gonna heal again, it's gonna take a little bit longer but it's going to heal again because it's been treated. And then a year later, when your appointment comes up and the doctor asks you, hey, how is, how is your arm doing, that wound on your arm? And you might not even remember it. Oh, yeah, I forgot, forgot about that. This is a picture of forgiveness. A wound has been inflicted on you. That wound might have been in, intentional. Somebody wanted to hurt you. Or it might have been accidental but it still hurts and where does that kind of wound take place in your heart and we've been studying this that wound takes place in your heart and when that wound happens you have a choice you can seek to clean it you can forgive and your wound heals and God is glorified or you can choose not to forgive and you don't heal and the torment of the infection grows worse and worse and worse. And of course, we all get wounded. And so we're all making this choice fairly regularly. That's what makes forgiveness the most common factor in that keeps us in bondage to the past, which is misery that God can release today. Just a quick review, we are in week four of our Freedom and Forgiveness 70 times 7 series, and we have been on a good journey that's been kind of leading up to this moment right here. I'm so thankful that you've all come and that the Holy Spirit has led you all from wherever you came from to be here together this morning. Uh, as Sean said earlier, I'm going to ask, I don't usually do this, but I'm going to ask that everybody gets a copy of the sermon notes or bulletin, the sermon notes in your lap or the lap of the person next to you. Raise your hand if you do not have one, and Chris has them for you. It's very important that everybody sees what we're going to go through today, what we're going to work through today. So thank you, Chris, for making sure everybody gets one. If you've been around, then you remember this as we review a little bit. If, if you haven't, and this is your first time here, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. In week one, we looked at Jesus' parable of the unforgiven servant, unforgiving servant. 
where Jesus told us there are two reasons why it's so important for us to forgive everybody of everything. The first is because that's how God forgave you. That's how God forgave me. Not partially. Didn't hold anything back. He forgave you of, if you've trusted him and received him, he forgave you of everything. Amen? Therefore, he calls us to do the same, to forgive others without limit. Secondly, because if we don't, it brings suffering upon us, that torment, the physical suffering, mental, emotional, spiritual torment, if we don't forgive our brothers and sisters in our hearts. This was the conclusion, the climax of that parable, Matthew 18, 34 and 35. Look on the screen. And in his and anger, his master delivered him to the tormentors until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Hear the words of Jesus. And so we want to avoid that torment, and we want to honor Christ. This is our mission of, as a church, as any church, as any Christian. We exist to glorify God by being Christ followers who make Christ followers. And all that we do, and this requires forgiving everyone from our hearts for everything, and we explore how to do that today. Yes, I hear you, but how can I forgive them? You don't know what they did, what terrible, evil thing that they did, or you don't know who they are. Listen, I understand. As a pastor, I walk through and hear of the very worst of the worst, offenses, most egregious hurts, and walk with people through the worst of tragedies. It's heartbreaking stuff, evil stuff. If you get overwhelmed easily, don't become a pastor or a counselor. That through it all, I remain even more fully convinced than ever of this truth that from God that we must forgive everyone of everything fully. And for many of us, this is a sermon that we've been leading up to, and here you are today, the question, how? How can I do that? How can I forgive them? I want to introduce you to, to our elder, Rick DeBoost. I'm not going to bring him up. I'm just going to show a picture. My wife, Sarah, and I uh, went out and met with him and his wife, Jamie, at where Rick works, and that's as a counselor at Lifeline Youth and Family Services, where Rick focuses most on 10 to 20-year-old males who are residents there because of sexual crimes or behavior. Saw a lot of the boys, heard some stories. Just imagine the kinds of abuses in the backgrounds of a boy, a young man, that would end up there. Heartbreaking stuff. Now, Rick's partner, Harold Graham, who you see pictured here, who sadly died earlier this year, and in commemoration of him, they built a forgiveness trail in the woods in Pearson. So we walked the trail uh, to get a sense of this, and I want to tell you a couple different things about this. Harold had a ministry to these boys and young men, and over the years, he led hundreds of them to complete freedom through Christ, and forgiveness was a major focus of his. He led them to freedom and forgiveness. That's exactly what we're talking about all fall together. And in honor of him, they built this amazing tool out in the woods that's in our community now where you can go on the stations of what he had, his steps, 
to freedom and forgiveness. And we went through the seven stations. And I just want to recommend, I want to do two things. One, that's the kind of process that we're going to go through today, this very day, in this time that we have together. If you would like to go and have such an experience, I strongly encourage you to contact Rick. You can contact our church office for his information. And you can take a spouse out there or a son or daughter or a parent or somebody that you're mentoring, somebody in your small group. Take them out there. It takes about an hour to two hours, depending on how, how long you take to work through each of the steps. And it's an amazing experience, and I'm so thankful that, that it's open. Okay, so let's do this very thing today, though, right here in the time that we have. The Bible gives us a process of freedom and forgiveness. How can I forgive them? And I'm going to answer that question from Scripture by answering several other questions, as you see on your notes in front of you. The first question, we have to start here. What is forgiveness and what is it not? There's a lot of misunderstandings about forgiveness or just lack of knowledge about biblical forgiveness. Let's, let's get it right. Forgiveness is one of the richest words in all of the Bible. Just so, so rich, strong. It's emphasized by a variety of different Hebrew and Greek words. Some of them, here are some examples. Uh, one of them means literally to blot out, to erase, to erase all the record of all the sins we will ever commit. They're, they're blotted out, they're gone, they're forgiven. Another word means to carry away a great load. That's the, that's the sense we get in The Pilgrim's Progress, if you've ever watched or read that book, when Christian, the character's heavy burden on his back, is released. It's forgiveness. To carry away a great load. Or another word means literally to release from debt. That is the punishment for our sin. It's canceled. Gone. These are infinite, extreme terms to the full. In addition to different words, scholars count 75 word pictures that the Bible has to portray forgiveness in different terms, like turning the key, or pounding the gavel, or loosening the ships to send back into the sea, or smashing a clay pot into a thousand pieces so that it can never be pieced back together. The power of forgiveness. Now, this is an effective step in the process, the smashing of the clay pot. What we do often in a, step, in a process of forgiveness is write all the offenses ever that you can recall down on paper. If you remember, in the, if you're in the small group series, in the, in the curriculum, Bruce Wilkinson tells a story of the doctor he met on the ship who said, well, I can't think of any. And then the next morning, she came back with a list of two and a half pages. Remember that? Chris Rager said, it's a good thing you said two and a half pages because my wife's going to need a lot more than that. But There he is right there. And then you write that all down and rip that into a thousand pieces and throw them away. That's the sense of biblical forgiveness. Now let's figure out this is what it means. On your notes you see a, a chart. And I'm going to give you a little bit more about what forgiveness is not and what forgiveness is. When we forgive, we intentionally, before God, we cancel that debt. We discard the note. We pardon the prisoner. We release the offender. First of all, you see on your notes, that is not a feeling. It is an act of the will. You may not feel like it. In fact, you probably don't. But you do it anyway. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's an act of the will. That's what forgiveness is. 
Number two, it's not forgetting. You've heard the statement, forgive and forget, and it sounds nice, but it's not good. It's not healthy because it's not possible. It doesn't work. You can't forget. What it is is a refusing to recall. Again, an intentional act of the will. I forgive you, therefore, I will not bring this up again. I will never use this against you again. Third, it's not excusing. Hear this. If you pretend that the sin isn't sin, oh, it didn't hurt me that bad, or it didn't hurt, really hurt me. That's wrong, and that's not necessary. This is enabling the person to continue that practice, and it doesn't help either person. So be honest about what it is, and that makes forgiveness all the more wonderful and all the more effective in its correction. And then fourth, not immediately trusting. Oh, it takes a long time to earn trust and a moment to lose it. Same here. There can be forgiveness, and we have to get this right. There can be forgiveness without immediate trusting. You have to build some boundaries, get some counsel, use wisdom. Trust must be earned. It takes time to rebuild, but you can forgive in that process. This requires living graciously with the tension of, I forgive you in my heart, but hey, we're still going to set these boundaries. That is entirely appropriate. In the meantime, forgiveness is rather giving up my right for revenge. We all feel like we have a right. I love revenge movies. It makes you feel good. Guess what? God says we don't have that right. Who does vengeance belong to? The Lord. It isn't ours. It's his. We give up that right. And I want to add one more thing. Forgiveness is not staying in an abusive situation. The numbers of all kinds of abuse have gone up over the generations in our country, especially in the last year and a half. If you are, so I, there's likely somebody here that's in one, and I would just want to say if you are in one, get to safety, get help right now. What I suggest is come to the elders of a church, pastor, elders, right away, because each case is unique. You need someone who's going to be there to help provide what you need, whether it's safety, a place to live, or counsel or prayer, and walk through the unique situation that you're in. I can't give just blanket advice that suits every situation right now. You've got to, you've got to get that help. The forgiveness, hear this, is not letting people walk all over you. Come and get the help right now. I hope that helps knowing what God's definition of forgiveness is and is not. And that's very important on our road to freedom, complete freedom in Christ for his glory in forgiveness. So that leads us to question number two, which is, how do I know when I have truly and fully forgiven? I, you know, I, I kind of think maybe I have. How do I know? How do I know that this is complete? I'm going to give you a couple different ways. The first way is a feeling, the feeling of release. You're going to know it by the way you feel. And for that, I want to share a story that happened right here in that hallway just last week. A man shared to me this, and I wrote it down real quick before I forgot it. Listen to this story of the feeling of release. He said, we were in our most recent forgiveness small group meeting just a week prior, and when the men and the women separated, the men went through the steps and I identified two bullies from high school that I had never released from my bitterness. And then I remembered a third person. 
and I wrote their names down and gave complete forgiveness to them before God. And I felt an opening sensation in my chest and in my heart, and it was filled with heat and then a release, and I was filled with total peace. That happened here a couple weeks ago. Praise God. Praise God. And, I, and I'm hearing stories like this. This is what we want for every, this is what Christ wants for every one of his followers. That's a feeling. Expect it. Ray Pritchard, an author, gives five signs which you can know and kind of measure in your heart. These are on your notes. That, that you can know that you have truly forgiven someone. When these five things are true, number one, that when you no longer think about it day and night. Two, when you no longer need to talk about it. Three, when you no longer need, feel the need to get even. Release. Four, when you are no longer bitter. No longer. And five, when you can call those who hurt you and you can wish them well and even do good for them. Now hear these words from Scripture that back that up. Hebrews 12, 14, and 15. Hear the word of the Lord on this. He says, strive for peace with everyone. We are, look, we are different. This is what makes us different than all the rest of the world. We are filled with the Holy Spirit of Christ and following Christ. Strive, we strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble by it many become defiled we don't want that and then in Romans 12 under the title in your Bibles if you're in Romans 12 you'll see marks of a true Christian we come to verses 18 through 21 and we see this these aren't suggestions these are commandments for one forgiven by God of everything. If possible, so far as it depends on you, key word, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. God's not going to let him let justice go. And here's the climax of that passage. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You let unforgiveness take root, a root of bitterness in your life. You are being overcome by evil. God says not to let that happen, but overcome evil, overcome evil with good that's what we're here to do number three the question number three is is forgiveness an event or a process and the answer is yes very good it is both it's an event because at some point you need to make a choice I'm going to clean this wound and be released but it doesn't just happen so fast. It starts a process. It starts a process that, that takes time. It takes time to work out the Bible's instructions. It takes time to have 
to work out those emotions. It takes time to have the conversations, the conversations with spiritual mentors, with prayer partners, and then, yes, with the offenders, if necessary. Number four, does forgiveness always lead to reconciliation? Simply, no. Not always, and here's why. Because forgiveness is one thing, and sanctification is another thing. It's nice when, when people offer forgiveness and receive it, and that leads to reconciliation, which is restored relationships. Man, that is a wonderful thing that stories are made of, and you tell those stories for generations. But it takes two people for that to happen. And we can't force another person to reconcile. Okay, But we can be free from our torment. We do our part, and God does his part, and we can stand pure before God no matter what happens with the other person. And then we can pray for their heart to come around and want to reconcile. Remember Romans 12, as far as it depends on you, and that's our part. That's all we're responsible for. But reconciliation depends on you plus the other person. Sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes it's not even wise to attempt. That leads us to question number five. Do I need to tell the person I forgive you? And the answer to that is not necessarily. If they ask you to forgive them, then yes, let them know and rejoice together. That's wonderful. But sometimes there's, there's a few different things that, that could have happened that caused the wound. Sometimes we're just hurt by a thoughtless comment or action of other people. And the other person might not even know that they hurt us. And most of those times, it doesn't help to, to chase them down and tell them, hey, I forgive you. Sometimes that just comes away like you're picking a fight or you, you start an argument about whether that was an offense or not. And that's not necessary. At this level, release them in your heart for that freedom. And here's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, Proverbs 19.11. I have used this so many times, and I want you to as well. Proverbs 19, 11, the second part, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Now remember the definition of forgiveness, sometimes that's not the right response, but often it is, and if you overlook that and you're released, it is to your glory to just let it go, let it go. So sometimes you don't need to tell them, I forgive you. Another case maybe is if, if you offended someone a long time ago and bringing it back up after you've forgiven them and been released uh, might cause more hurt and pain and confusion. So it's better just to not bring it up now. This happened to me the first time I ever went through this series that our small groups are going through right now. A brother in my small group came to me and he, sa and he said, I... Uh, I sinned with a girl before we were each married to someone else, and he longed for her not to be in torment because of their, of their actions back in that time. But now they're both married and years have gone by. He said, should I connect with her and try to reconcile and, and hopefully release her from torment? And as we prayed through that and reasoned through that, we, uh, it became pretty clear that that would not be appropriate. But for, her, for him to pray and trust God on that, and I, and I believe that God will certainly work in that situation. 
But sometimes it is certainly appropriate to let someone know that their behavior has hurt you and that you forgive them. Seek counsel on that if you need to, and certainly do that with truth and gentleness and respect. That leads to question six. This is a big one. Do I forgive someone who doesn't apologize? What do we do with someone who has hurt us, but either will not or cannot own up to what they've done? If they don't ask for forgiveness, how can you forgive them? That's kind of what the world says. Let's see what the Bible says. First of all, this is a painful problem for people because we live in a fallen world and we're hurting each other all the time. And, and may, most of us are just filled with pride and we'll never, you know, apologize. So this is a very common thing. Or maybe because the person has died or moved away and can't ever apologize, what do you do in that case? To begin my answer to this important question, I want to tell a, a story that some of you may remember um, from 2006, the story of an Amish community being so Christ-like in their response to tragedy that it made national news. Now, I've talked to Amish people a number of times over the years, and, and I've found that they live the life that they live because they want to honor Christ and his word to the very fullest way that they know how. I'm going to read part of the Washington Post article on this event in 2006 because even the Washington Post realizes the power here that's happening in forgiveness. It says, The simple, quiet, rural life in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania was shattered on October 2, 2006 when Charles Carl Roberts IV walked into a one-room Amish schoolhouse on a clear, unreasonably warm Monday morning. The 32-year-old man ordered the boys and adults to leave, tied up 10 little girls between the ages of 6 and 13, and shot them, killing five and injuring the others before killing himself. The killer, Carl Roberts' mother, Terry, and her husband thought that they would have to move far away. They knew what people thought of parents of mass murderers. They believed that they would be ostracized in their community, blamed for not knowing the evil their child was capable of. But in the hours after the massacre, as Amish parents still waited in a nearby barn for word about whether their daughters had survived, an Amish man named Henry arrived at the Roberts' home with a message. The families did not see the couple as an enemy. Rather, they saw them as parents who were grieving the loss of their child, too. The world watched in amazement as, on the day of their son's funeral, nearly 30 Amish men and women, some of the parents of the victims, came to the cemetery and formed a wall to block out media cameras. Parents whose daughters had died at the hand of their son approached the couple after the burial and offered condolences for their loss. But the Amish did more than forgive the couple. They embraced them as part of their community. When Roberts underwent treatment for stage four breast cancer in December, one of the, one of the girls who survived the massacre helped clean her home before she returned from the hospital. They continue to sing her Christmas carols every year. Ten years later, the Amish families are still consciously deciding, deciding, got that, deciding to forgive every day. Here's a picture of the killer's mom under a sign that says, forgiven. 
The word and the room itself were gifts built by her Amish neighbors just months after the unimaginable occurred. A daily reminder of all that she had lost and all that she's gained over these years. Do we forgive someone who doesn't apologize? Yes, absolutely yes. We can and we must hear the words of Jesus. This is what he meant when he said in Luke 6, 27 and 28, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who persecute you. They are still enemies while they're doing these things. They have not asked for forgiveness and they don't think they need any. They're just making life miserable for us. Jesus says, bless them. That means that our part of forgiveness has happened. Holding a grudge is the opposite of forgiveness. The blessing is the opposite of holding a grudge. Nobody else in the world does this. Only Christ followers, filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural calling that we have, an ability that we have to do this. And remember, this is what Jesus did on the cross. Bloodied and ripped to shreds, the creator of all that exists condescended to bear all of our sins on himself. And this is how Jesus set an example for us to be Christ followers. 1 Peter 2, 23 says, When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly he prayed for their forgiveness that's the jesus who saved us and whom we follow and so real quick number seven how about this how about what about the feelings of anger that i keep having okay these are real what do i do with those Okay, I've made the decision to forgive, but I can't get over the emotions. This is very common. And here's the best picture, I think, about this. It's like the ringing of a bell in a church tower. You pull the, the rope, and the bell rings, and it swings, and you let go of the rope. And it continues swinging and ringing for a while. And each of those dings and rings, as it slows down, are the angry thoughts keep coming. But over time, as you do this process, trust God, follow God, be filled with his Holy Spirit, those feelings cease. That's part of God's release through forgiveness. It will happen. It takes time. That brings us to number eight. How can I forgive them totally and here we come to a process that I want to lead you through today to whatever extent you're ready today and I hope that you are again I'm going to say, say again on a human level this is not possible so let's get off of the human level can we I pray for the supernatural level for the Holy Spirit to fill this room and fill your hearts because once we bring the Holy Spirit into the equation, all things are possible. Total forgiveness is not only possible, but it becomes the Spirit-filled way of life. And it's fantastic. 
And so I invite everyone to begin the process today. There's no mistake that you're in this room right now, at this time. Here's how to begin. First, I hope that you have your notes in a pen so you can either write, there's something about writing it down that makes it just set. But if you don't, think in your heads, just one or two at the most for right now. Again, you might have pages and pages to do later, but think of one person, two at the most. Go ahead and write it down. You can write it in code if it's sensitive information, who they are, what did they do. Go ahead. Picture this. Write it down. How did you feel? Identify that wound. You're going to give this to God and expect him to take it away, expect him to do miracles, because that's what he does. Then the next step there, number one, is to open your heart to forgive. Again, this is in your heart. Let me explain what's going on here. Again, Matthew 18, 35, Jesus ends the parable of the unforgiving servant with this statement. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's the prison, the heart prison, where they are and where that wound is. Jesus says, here you were wounded in your heart. That's where the infection is festering. And that's where the healing is needed. But when we have a wound... We, build, we try to protect it. We build walls and defense mechanisms. But doing this locks in the torment with us. And it's a terrible prison. God has given you the key to the release right here. And so I'm going to ask you to pray something like this. If you, could, if you want to close your eyes, you're perfectly welcome to. If not, just consider praying something like this to God. Right now at this point, say, God, I choose to do this today to overcome whatever hesitations I've had today. To open my heart's prison in order to forgive the offenders and the offenses that I have written down or pictured. Set them free and end all my torment. That leads to step two, which is to extend compassion. Compassion moves us towards forgiveness and here's two very solid reasons why we need to have compassion on the offender. The person that hurt you has likely been hurt many times themselves. Hurt people hurt people. Second, and most importantly, is that they are fellow image bearers of God, which means they are of infinite value to God. Meditate on that. Now you become the bigger person like Jesus says, Father, not my will, not my will. That's why I'm taking you out of the human level. Not my will, but yours be done. Luke 22. So here's a prayer here. If you can pray, God, I couldn't know what was going on in so-and-so's life at the time and what struggles and prisons they were in when they hurt me. But for your glory, help me extend to them my compassion. Third, release the person now from your inner heart prison. So you can picture, use your God-given imagination to picture the person in a cage, in your heart, trapped in a cage of prison bars, and now walk over and you fling open the door that only you can and say, I release you now fully for what you did. 
And you walk out together into freedom. And repeat this as many times as needed, which is number four. Forgive each person for each wound so that you are not stuck only partially forgiving. We're talking about complete forgiveness and complete freedom. And sometimes we get stuck only partially forgiving. Pray here now, if you want to close your eyes again, Lord, please, please bring to mind every wound that this person committed so that I haven't forgiven yet, I want to do so now. And once you pray this, be still and wait. God will probably bring another occasion or offense that you missed. Make sure that you've released everything like Jesus has done for you. And when you have done this, congratulations. Your unforgiveness toward the person is gone. And praise God. And whether you did that today or you do it at a later time, the next step, the, the fifth step, the final one, becomes much, much easier. That is to bless and seek ways to do good to them. This, again, is to complete Jesus' process in the scriptures we've looked at. And so you could pray right now, God, I ask for an opportunity to love and do good to them, not just for myself, but for the glory of Christ. This step becomes easy at that point. And I hope, I've gone through this process myself multiple times, and I can stand as one here with com complete forgiveness and freedom in this area. And I hope with all my heart that you join me and others in this very thing of forgiving absolutely everyone for absolutely everything in the Spirit's supernatural power, following all that Jesus said and did, which is exactly what our observance of the communion elements of the bread and the cup are given for us to observe. And that's what we're going to transition into right now. What a gift from our Lord Jesus to give us this to do for all time until he returns to remember where the power for this very thing we're talking about to even exist. As the men come, I'm going to close this message in prayer and then we will prepare for our observance of the bread and cup together. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for the power of your word and your spirit that blows our minds, that brings us to do supernatural things, things that we would never do, and experience freedom that we would never have. And the obedience and the thrill of glorifying you, praising you, and passing that on to the world that needs it so badly. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit is working in every heart here today. Wherever they are, you know. And Lord, now we're going to commemorate, observe solemnly, but also as a celebration where the power comes from, what you did to provide it, what you did to become our Lord and Savior. Oh, how you love us, how we love you in response. I pray you'll bless this time of communion and observance of bread and cup together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
as the men pass out the bread and the cup. Here, I want to just tell you uh, something that we have fun with in our home, and I, I encourage you to live this way as well. Here, the statement is, every time we forgive, it's reenacting the gospel. And so I make sure my kids don't just say, oh, tell them you're sorry. All right, I'm sorry. Yeah, not just that. No, we want to we disciple them to see the beauty of the gospel and forgiveness. So what we say is, all right, I'm sorry for this offense. Will you forgive me? And then the other person must say, if they're willing, which they better be, yes, I forgive you. And in that picture is exactly what we've done with Jesus and exactly what he's done with all of our sins. I'm going to read two verses that proclaim this as you hold in your hands the cost of your freedom, your forgiveness. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And then Christ inspires Ephesians 4.32, instructions to us now, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And this is one of the most important distinctions of Jesus' church, of us as Jesus' people. That we live this way, that we have the power to live this way, that we do obey and follow him. And we observe the bread and the cup as a reenactment of the gospel. And then we carry that out of here today and proclaim the gospel in the way that we live and in the words that we say, what we share, and how we treat each other in every moment of every day in every relationship. What a joy. I'm going to pray for um, a moment of your sins and have a pure heart while the men finish passing those out. The Bible's instructions is to confess your sins and have a pure heart. As we talked about last week, he's faithful and just to forgive those sins and cleanse you right here where you are. So let me pray, and then I'll just wait for 20, 30 seconds so we can all do that. Lord, I thank you so much for all these tools. Holy, infinitely powerful, relational, personal, freeing tools of your spirit, your word, Christ's sacrifice, his model, his instructions. And even the discipline that chastises us for not keeping up with you. We, we thank you. I pray that everybody just sacrifices uh, what's keeping them from this pure relationship with you, this freedom from torment, and this victorious living that you've offered. And here's the price that you offered, your shed blood and broken body. We celebrate this together. I ask that you forgive my sins. 